happy Wednesday, beautiful people. Welcome to Love, Babs, Love Talk. I'm Babs Rolls Ivy. It's Wednesday in the Elm, and it's another rainy daggone day. New Haven is looking like Seattle. You may hear it from me. What's happening? So, so, <laughs> uh, somebody stole $6 million from the Board of Ed? Cyber theft? How did that happen? We don't got good cybersecurity. And the only person that seems to be asking questions is uh, Darnell Golson. <laughs> and I would tell you something about Darnell Golson. I've known Darnell since I was a little kid. We were kids together. I knew his sisters, mamas, father, brothers, all of them. And Darnell was always that kid. Like when we was all outside playing, he'd be in suits. <laughs> like he was that kid, right? So I'm not surprised he's the last man standing asking questions because that's he's like that. He that he's been like that since I've known him. And uh and somebody got asked a question. So apparently somebody was impersonating somebody in the higher up part of who pays the bills and takes the money. I don't know. I, I hadn't read the whole thing. I just saw the headlines and I just thought, do I really want to know about this? Because this just sounds a lovely of crazy that I'm not really interested in. But there it is. So it's up on a New Haven Independent. And uh, I just gave it a cursory look-see. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Golson presses for cyber attack answers. So there was a press conference asking how to, how to, how hackers stole six million for school bus contract. I, is the feds in on this? Because that this sounds like fed intervention is needed. They'll get to the bottom of it. I have every faith. These things just don't happen nilly willy. I don't think. And I'm not making any accusations about nothing. I don't know nothing about it. But I just think. It, it surely cannot be that easy to hack six million dollars from a board of ed. Really, can it be for bus contracts just sitting there ready to be taken? Hmm. Well, there'll be more in the days and weeks to come. I'm certain. <laughs> Who wrote this story? Oh, Maya's on it. Oh, because she covers uh she she covers uh education stuff. All right. Well, we'll. we'll We'll see where the connected dots lead us. Stay tuned, good people. Stay tuned. So yesterday I was watching the press conference. Uh, the New Haven Independent did the press conference, live stream the press conference for this cat that was uh, going to federal court. Uh, uh, Gino D. Giovanni. <laughs> so everybody in the thread is like, okay, what the hell he did? You know, Barbara Fair is like, well, good people go to Good people are in prison locked up all the time. Like, because his, his his attorney was saying, you know, he's a good guy. Uh uh, he's given a lot to where the hell is he from? Naugatuck, Derby, some damn where, somewhere in the valley, and Sonia, somewhere. You know, he's given a lot and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so everybody, so everybody in the chat is like, what is happening? Like, what happened? Did he what did he do? Because you know. You couldn't tell from the New Haven feed 
who this cat was. Like, I don't know who he was. Nobody knew who he was. They just knew it was a press conference. And so his attorney was like, we, we're looking forward to our day in court and all this other kind of stuff. So I'm thinking, you know, it's just a, around the, you know, just a regular, some kind of misappropriation of federal funds, embezzlement, some, you know, whatever. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. I go and look it up. They put his name up. I go look it up. <laughs> this fool <laughs> got arrested. He's a mayoral candidate. He gets arrested for the January 6th insurrection foolishness. Don Giovanni. I'm like, bruh, what the hell are you doing up there with them white folks trying to do be insurrectionists? And you trying to be a politician in your own town. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> People have misdirected energy. I go and look it up. It's all on the news everywhere. He down. And, and the New Haven Independent gives it a nice title. Mayor, mayor candidate arrested for January 6th riot roll. It really should read. Let me fix this. Let me edit this. This mofo got snagged up in insurrectionist mess at the federal level. <laughs> That's how I would have said. Stupid. I, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to understand how these insurrectionists think they're going to live stream their foolishness and not get caught. And they caught, they've been, they've been catching these insurrectionists like nazis you know how 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 germans are not uh, uh letting go of catch I, they don't give a damn if you've been a nazi and you 109 years old your ass getting hauled in they don't rest on this nazi stuff and people are like oh but they're old now germans like we don't give a damn if he's newly if he's newly about to be buried before we lay him in the ground we're gonna drag his ass in front of court so anyway, Gino D. Giovanni, that is an Italian ass name. Why is he up there messing around with them insurrectionists? I'll never know. Your peoples came over here on boats too, dude. You came through Ellis Island. What is wrong with you? He's in the middle of a campaign. I guess you might want to resign now, bruh. I I don't know how they feel. Uh, I don't know how they feel with, in the town where you at. Where is he at? Let me let me see where I can see where he at. I want to say somewhere in the valley, some damn where. Uh, Derby. He's a man. <laughs> he's a <laughs> see. Just 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 go straight to jail because you are the level of stupid that we no longer need in office. He's a Republican candidate for mayor in Derby who serves as an alderman and the Republican town chair. These Republicans, is it me? Or are they just squarely rooted and stupid? Is it me? I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, I don't understand. I, I, need my, I need my man to come on and talk about the Republican party. Cause I, I just think, I, I just feel like they, they're just handed over their party to, this, to the mini heads. And I, I just cannot believe uh, that they would want to go down this road. I don't get it. So this cat is 42 years old and he was in the crowd with the, with the insurrectionists. 
and uh, trying to trying to stop the counting of the electorate. Now you already elected to office, and you are really trying to be a part of somebody not counting votes. Are you kidding me, dude? You need to have several seats, and you know what? They're gonna mess around and give you a stiff penalty. They don't give a damn you from Connecticut. You stupid. So in court, Assistant U.S. Attorney Catherine Bowles read the four misdemeanor charges against Dear Giovanni, and they include seeking to impede, disrupt, or disturb the orderly conduct of a session of Congress and knowingly interfering and remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority. So I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand these dummies to begin with. Second of all, dude, you are Italian. I, I don't know what you got in line with white supremacy. I, I don't know. Maybe that was how y'all was raised in Derby. I don't know what they doing in Derby. I don't know. And then you're going to stand up there all sheepish, ashamed and, and forlorn and broken. But you willingly went and, and with these defecating in the in the chambers, white folks. I, I'm listen, listen. Some of these cats got some harsh penalties. You gonna go to jail, my friend? I I don't know. They might need to make an example. So he's he's going to uh uh he's he's transferring all his stuff. He had weapons in his home. <laughs> he got to give those over to his peoples. I, I just don't know. I, I, I so he's so he's been getting threats. Well, now you're on the other side of this thing. He was doing the he was doing the threatening. And now you on the other side of the threats. These these white folks is crazy as hell. So anyway. So as attorney, I, I, I think the evidence that will that that will be presented, there's a typo here. I think the evidence that will present it, will be presented will show that I'm innocent. Innocent of what? You was there. By virtue of you, this Nora, Nora, Nora Grace Flood and Paul Bass and Jean uh, uh, Fowl Bososnovich, Bososnovich, Bososnovich. They all kicked in on the story. So, bruh, I, I, you, you could be innocent all day. But guess what? You was you, you can't be innocent on the scene. <laughs> you was there. <laughs> Anybody that was there on those grounds is guilty. Did your mama ever teach you who you roll with is who going to roll you? But you stupid. You ain't learned them lessons. Mr. D, D. Giovanni, you're stupid and you're going to jail. Or you won't be you won't be mayor and you won't be alderman. So I, I I would imagine resignations are forthcoming if you haven't already done so. You and you got guns. <laughs> do, are you do you know your your heritage? <laughs> do I do I as a black woman need to tell you how ridiculous you look trying to be with these insurrectionists? that you won't do it again. He was just a man expressing his, his views. So the Klan, the Klan's just, 
that's just a bunch of cats hanging around expressing their views too. Well, what should we do about that? <laughs> you in America, you've got the right to be stupid. In America, you have the right to be stupid and ignorant, deliberately, fabulously, <laughs> readily. You have the right. What you don't have is the right to deface property, to threaten, to cause harm. You don't have you don't have that right. You could have stood on on your porch or your yard and just ranted all day. But until you step foot with them clowns into that space, all bets are off. You can't do that. Do you, do you understand what insurrection is? Do you understand what they was there to do? You was in the mix. You know, when you rob a bank, if 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 my friend, like if Ife say, hey, Babs, take me to the bank, and I drive her to the bank, and she goes in there and robs the bank, guess what? And I don't know she's in there robbing the bank. I just think she's got to go do banking business. So if she's in there doing banking business and she come running out talking about, oh, can you get me across town real fast? I'm going to get her across town real fast because she's my girlfriend. I'm like, all right, where else you got to go? And if I get pulled over and they pull her over and they say, oh, she's wanted for robbing a bank. And guess what? So are you. That's how that goes down. If she robs the bank, it's like I'm robbing the bank because I'm driving the getaway car. I have no idea I'm driving the getaway car. But you, sir, you knew it was an insurrection. You showed up ready to throw, get down. You was ready to storm the castle gates. You was. I don't want to say castle because we don't have a monarchy. But you was ready to march in there and do harm. That's why I'm not a judge. Because I would see right through that. And can judge talk-ish? Can I cuss at them? Can I yell at them? What can I do? Oh, all these dummies listening to Trump. All you dummies, they need not bail and not nail one of y'all out for your foolishness. He has left y'all to dry because he got his own problems. <laughs> I think Trump is trying to figure out how many courts in the land could I get arraigned in? <laughs> is, that, is that a record? Does anybody hold that record? Is this the record to beat the Trump record? The indictments, how many, how many courts across this country can I get indicted in? How many people else could do that? I mean, I think that I think maybe what runs a close second is mob people. I guess the only thing I could think of. Organized crime bosses. Are they, are they still around? Listen, I don't need organized crime bosses to send me a text talking about we still around. <laughs> I, I don't need that smoke in my life. <laughs> No file, no harm. I'm not trying to call y'all out. I'm not trying to disparage y'all. I'm just saying the only people that I that I could imagine could get indicted in so many places are mob people. Because, you know, they got operations that run all over the place. So I imagine that mob people run a close second to Donald Trump's being indicted in several courts across the land. Is that the record to hold? <laughs> I'm serious. Is that the record to hold? And then, and then, listen, for them, these indictments are fundraising tools. 
help me, help me, help me fight, help me fight back. <laughs> and these people shake their, shake their pocketbooks loose, boy. Let me tell you something. Won't feed homeless people. Won't do nothing for the infirmed. But damn sure will pay the legal, the legal fees of a of a man who was a a louse. <laughs> so anyway, Don D. Giovanni uh, had a press conference, and uh, I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't understand these people. You know. So, um, I I don't know how the I don't know how the how the how it's unfounded. You was in the you was on the you was on the drag with these people. I mean, by virtue of you being there, in the mix, put you you put your freedom at risk. Stupid! You wasn't fighting for freedom. You was not fight. These insurrectionists was not fighting for freedom. These dummies. These dummies. This is why a fine education would do wonders for people. A fine education would do wonders because if they had a fine education, they would have found another way that makes sense that would actually could move an agenda for them to get their point across. But they're not that bright. They're just not bright people. They're just not bright people. None of them. None of these Trump people are bright people. And, and the people who you think might be kind of bright, they're not even, they don't even care. They like the moment of Trump because it furthers an agenda. They just want the votes. But these cats, listen, let me tell you something. Go back and look at all the video, all of it, MSNBC, all of it, all of it when Donald Trump was running. These people hated that. Lindsey Graham was the first one to talk this smack. Oh my God, what it'll do to our party. He was angry about it. Now he's like up his butt like his best friend. I was like, okay. I guess you know that old adage is no permanent friends, no permanent interest, no permanent friends, no permanent uh problems, permanent interests. Okay. Anyway, so we'll see what happens to Mr. Dio D. Giovanni. Now he might he might get a little slap on the wrist, but I don't know. They've been coming hard for these insurrectionists. Yeah, these some of these cats is doing some time. I think he should do six months <laughs> in federal prison. That'll teach you. That'll learn you. My grandma would say, that'll learn you. <laughs> it, 29 days learn me. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> 29 days will learn you. <laughs> you might need a little more time because he seems of this particular type of stupid. That might need a longer lesson. Might be. And I think you got to send a message. You got to send a message to anybody else. We're going to get you and we're going to lock you up because we can't have this. We can't. We are not like those other countries where you could just take a coup. You know, you could create a coup and then you could just, you know, roll up on on people. We we we're not we're not with that. We're not going to do it. We're not going to we're not even gonna, we're not going to allow for a hint of that. Right. So you're going to pay a hefty price. And his attorney knows it, too. <laughs> He knows it too. He got to listen. His attorney got to look out there in the land and be like, mm, "It's not looking good, Lucy. <laughs> it's not. It's not looking good for you." You know. I mean, he's not going to do years and years and years. But I think you know, a couple of months in the slammer ought to learn some. 
Yeah, you can sit there and contemplate as being who I want to be. Do I really want the, do I really want to be this kind of Republican? Maybe you'll get an epiphany. You know, epiphanies come at your darkest moments when you are on the ground. When you're on the ground, and if you open, God will send you an epiphany. And you get to change your life and move in a different way. I'm just saying. I know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying. So, Mr. Uh, D. Giovanni, I, listen, you, you're dragging your family through all this foolishness. I mean, that, this was just a trip. You know, you could have stayed home. So, uh, I, I, at some point, uh, you're going to make a decision. He can't, you can't, listen, following Trump footsteps if you want to, thinking you could run for mayor in your town. And then you might have some support. You might, you might, there might be some derby people who'll be like, you know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I feel I'm with him. He was, he was there freedom fighting or whatever. Oh, whatever the stupid people in Derby are thinking. You know, the ones who would actually vote for this fool. But I know there's a whole bunch of people in Derby is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know there's some people in Derby is like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Now, if Derby is full of Republicans, that's one thing. Then, 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 yeah, they're gonna vote for him because stupid follows stupid. That's just what it is, and and they're gonna they're, and they're gonna stand on this foolishness. They're gonna they're gonna go ten 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 toes deep with this mess and let them laughing stocks. These people are gonna go down in history as like this dummies, and it, and it's gonna it's gonna look bad for them in history. But they don't they don't see it. They just think, oh, this is this is how America was. All right, whatever. <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever whatever so i see north carolina is following suit with the with the foolishness of florida and texas trying to re, not even revise history but just say we can't there's some things we just can't teach i don't i don't understand this stuff i i don't understand how people think that they are doing some service by not teaching history when it just makes us very vulnerable when people from other countries come into this country and understand and learn and have immersed themselves in our history chapter and verse and we don't know it and i don't understand why these dummies don't understand that that's what makes us vulnerable that we are that we are turning out a population of young people who are stupid stupid and, 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 you know, when you have a population of stupid, they're not fit for service. They're not fit for anything other than servitude. They're only fit for servitude. And these, and I don't understand how these people think that their kids are going to thrive. Your kids are going to be working at Shoney's and big boys for the rest of their lives. No shade to Shoney's and big boys. None. No shade to service industry. But you and I know that you cannot raise a family, you can't buy a house, you can't do anything except work to pay bills end to end to end. They're not gonna be able to do much else. If you do not expand the intellectual capacity of history, science, technology, English, literature, if you cannot expand those things, build on those things foundationally, you are creating a class of people of servants, but that's what they want. Because no Ivy League school is gonna take stupid kids. They're just not gonna do it. They're just not gonna do it. 
They don't have to do it because guess what happens? Rich people, people with means, they're going to educate their kids. They're going to make sure them kids get every bit of history and story and all the things that they need so they could go out there and be leaders. You cannot be a leader if you don't know history. You cannot because you run the risk of being out there looking like a fool because you don't know the history. You sitting at a party or someplace and somebody talks about, you know, how Monticello was built. Or somebody talks about how was Chicago designed. Or somebody talks about the upright, the Okiwi, Okea, the massacre in Florida. Is it Okea, Okiwi? In Florida. And you sitting there like, I never heard this. You know, and they don't know who Rosa Parks is. They don't know who Ruby Bridges is. They don't know who... Dr. Edward Boucher is. They don't know uh, Louis Latimer. They don't know uh, 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 Dr. Carver. They don't know W.D. Boyce. They don't know any of this stuff. They just sitting there like, who knew? They don't know Frederick Douglass. They don't know anything. So they just sitting there, this is stupid, stupid. They, they want to raise servants. And when you have a dumbed down population, that means you can run anything by them. You tell them anything. And you run it by them, you know, because people, because they won't know, they won't know to vote in their best interest. So, so I don't know, I don't know what Mr. Gino D. D Giovanni is going to do. I know what he better put down the cloak of white supremacy and get on with it. But it, 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 maybe it's some time in the in the big house to give him opportunity to contemplate his being, to be, to be, to be. You know, you have a Shakespearean moment. To be or not to be, that is the question. <laughs> is it better? <laughs> I'm just, listen, I, I'm no thespian. I'm just playing one on the radio. Anyway. He was, he was very, he was, he was very, uh, you know, you know, and, uh, He's got some soul searching to do. You right about that. He got some, he got some soul searching to do. <laughs> yeah. And uh D Martino was like, I wish this never happened. I, you and me both. <laughs> they got a Democratic mayoral candidate who ought to sail, sail to the seat, who who received the unanimous endorsement of the Derby Democratic Town Committee and has known D Giovanni since he was a kid. And he and it, and and was his former wrestling coach at Derby High School. It's unfortunate, he said. I, I wish this never happened. Clearly, it's the wrong way to deal with losing an election. The right way is to learn from mistakes and focus on the public good and give it another try. He need to go sit down for a long time, and they're probably gonna lock his ass up for this. So, you know, he he he. Uh, did I got a big Republican Party in Derby? Probably not. And if they do, they ought to turn their heads. <laughs> oh. You know, uh, it's just, uh, I mean, if you can't, if you cannot, if you can't respect the base, basic fundamentals uh, of a vote that does not go in your favor, then your issues 
is not American democracy. <laughs> your, your problem is not American democracy. If you cannot respect the will of the people who have spoken through voting, if you cannot accept the will of the people through their actions of voting, you have bigger problems than voting. Your problem isn't voting. Your problem is misdirected energy and, and a heavy dose of stupidity, you know, and, and, and um, laced with a great deal of white supremacy. That's all I'm gonna say. So anyway, so we'll, I guess we'll, keep, we'll keep, keep going. So the Malik Jones conviction was overturned. I have completely forgotten about this. I, I don't know. I'm in this mood. Maybe maybe I'm in this mood because I just finished reading Nicholas Davidoff's book, um, The Other Side of Prospect. I had a long conversation with him last night because I wrote him this long uh, email feeling some kind of way about this damn book. But anyway, uh, a federal judge has ruled that uh, Malik Jones has been wrongfully in prison for 28 years for murder he always said he never committed. I, I don't I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand this wrongful conviction stuff. Because I know somebody somewhere knows the truth. And, and sometimes the truth is glaringly obvious. And yet, sometimes the thinking is, well, he must have did something. So this. 28 years for a crime you ain't commit. I, I you know. So now he's waiting on the state, state, waiting on the state to decide whether He'll face a new trial or can walk free for the first time in decades. Oh, Lord have mercy. It's up on the New Haven Independent if you want to take a deep dive. You know, if you want to take it, there's a picture of him when he was young. <laughs> they just said a younger Malik Jones with his son. Now he'd been in prison for 28 years. So this, this baby right here has got to be damn near 30 years old. <laughs> Ah, I don't even know. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. I listen. I'm starting to really have my concerns about how how things are handled at this level. Uh, I don't know. So Janet Hall. So in a rare reprieve from federal court, Janet, Judge Janet Hall was my judge in my case. I was trying to remember her name the other day. I couldn't remember it. But now that I'm reading it, I was like, oh yeah, that's her. Uh, Joe's habeas corpus petition on Friday citing an ineffective public defender and an erroneous exclusion of evidence by the judge in Jones's initial trial three decades ago. I, I don't understand. I, this is why I think I need to go to law school because I don't understand a lot of this stuff. I don't understand how stuff can be withheld. I, things could be prejudicial. But I think if it, if it I, I don't understand if it, if it could get to the truth of who didn't do it, <laughs> Why are we not looking at that? And public defenders, I think, are in over their head. I, th I think they're in over their heads because they got a lot to do. They got a lot to do. And that's a system that needs some reform. Not a whole lot of reform, but they need some additional resources and support. I don't know. I'm not a public defender. But from what I can tell, they could use a little bit more because essentially what they are is a, a public law firm trying to do the work of 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 these high powered law firms, you know, because if if you if you could afford the high powered, you know, those high law firms, you know, if you could afford a Norm Pattis 
or 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 you know all these other cats who you know make a make a good ass living, got resources, swanky ass offices, and a cadre of lawyers in and out. Uh, yeah, you it's hard it's hard to beat that hard. It's a it's a every time you go to court, it's a David and Goliath moment. <laughs> Every time you suit up, it's a David and Goliath moment. Cause you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta show up to court overworked, underdressed, underpaid against Goliath, who, you know, fancy suits, nice dress shoes, <laughs> with all kinds of people bringing all kinds of stuff to you and making sure the groundwork is laid. Meanwhile, public defenders, they gotta do all that work. And depend on maybe law students to help. Anyway, I don't know. I, I I imagine that's how that goes down. I I don't know. Somebody let me in their law school. I swear to God, I'll find out. I'll find out. So anyway, uh, um, this is just so so. Somebody says, "Hey, there's some erroneous things in here." <laughs> And then this whole thing was on the testimony of a Mr. Spears, a self-interested witness whose account of the shooting was nearly impossible to square with the ballistics evidence. Here, yet again, yet again. And I'm thinking, some math ain't mathing, evidence ain't evidencing. Huh. <laughs> Here's my thing. Get closer. Come closer. Get closer to your device so I could talk a little lower. If you locked up the wrong person, the actual person that committed this is still out there <laughs> enjoying freedom, maybe living their best life, maybe doing same of the same of the same foolishness as this case. So I would imagine that you always want to find the right person for the crime. Not let's, let's jerry-rig somebody to fit this crime. Because this is what this sounds like to me. You just jerry-rigging people into crimes so they could get off your desk. No shade to police officers and detectives. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bring shade. I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun. I, what I'm saying is this very serious problem. And if I'm a police officer and I'm not, I'm just playing one on the radio. I couldn't rest unless I got the guys who were responsible for whatever the crime is. Not jerry-rig somebody to fit, but it's a Cinderella moment. Does this slipper fit? Because I can't shove your foot into this glass slipper to solve this case. That's all I'm saying. So this cat is sitting in jail for 28 years for a crime he probably didn't commit. Meanwhile, the actual cat is out there enjoying his life. Might be looking over his shoulder, but nonetheless, out there, free. Uh, and then he won't. He won't be. He, you know. So uh, he, he, they'll let him out. I guess 
he, he will be allowed to leave prison October 10th, unless the state decides to retry this case. Uh, knock, 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 state, you already messed this up. Don't do it again. Like it, you really squandered taxpayers' dollars. I don't think you should get a second chance to do it. Not in this particular case. You really think this is the guy based on one testimony of some self-absorbed, invested witness who probably will recant and could tell a different story? You know, what did you give that person to make them say this story? You know, because, you know, whatever. So, so anyway, the matter is under review by the Division of Criminal Justice. So John Doyle says, he's the New Haven State's attorney. Uh, they're considering all your options. Okay, knock, knock, uh, attorney John Doyle, knock it off. Y'all mess this up. You don't get a chance to do it again. You think he got another 28 years to suffer under your foolishness and your your mistakes and missteps? I'm just, I'm no attorney. I'm, I'm not, I'm no detective. I'm no private investigator. I'm none of that. I just playing one on the radio. Yeah. You know, just it's just tough. So Hall's decision comes two months after another man wrongfully co convicted in the 1990s. Oh, yeah. Adam Carmon officially walked free from the criminal justice system. I, so so are we in the habit of trying to we're going to be paying millions and millions of dollars to people for we wrongly convicted wrongly. <laughs> 16 New Haveners have been exonerated from discredited convictions. That's an ambulance going down, uh, something going down my street. Okay. Well, they're not going to hear, you know, you can tell the seriousness of things by how fast. That's not going very fast. It's loud, but not fast. So, 16, 16 New Haveners have been exonerated from discredited convictions after years of life spent in prison, making up half of all exonerations in the state. It's a mounting tide of wrongful convictions, said Alex Taubes, an attorney who knows Jones personally and who has represented in New Haven, New Haveners in similar situations. I I don't uh I don't uh I don't understand this. Because in the back of my mind, the people who actually did these crimes, so if 16 people were exonerated, and this is half, so 30 people were in prison for crimes they didn't commit for long periods of time. So the people who actually committed these crimes are out there, out there. It's, they're out there. There, 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 there is something wrong uh, with the justice system, and I, I don't, I don't understand this, this commitment. Like this is a bona fide commitment to just, we just, we got our guy, even though the evidence doesn't match up. We're, we're, listen, we don't accept that outcome nowhere else in society. You don't go to the dentist and and accept them pulling the wrong teeth. Well, we pulled teeth. This teeth looked like it could have been the one that was that needed to be pulled. 
but you in my mouth. We don't went through this. You see the tooth that needs to be pulled. Why aren't you pulling that tooth? Why did you pull the wrong tooth? <laughs> well, it looked like it needed to be pulled. I mean, it, seriously? But that's not the tooth. <laughs> Are you going to go back and get the right tooth? And in the meantime, the good tooth that you pull, what am going to do? You're going to put another one in his What? What happens? Maybe that's not the best analogy, but that's what I'm going with. We don't, we don't accept this in any parts of society. You go to the dentist, you don't expect them to pull the wrong teeth or do work on the wrong part of your mouth. You know what I'm saying? You, you, don't, you don't expect that. You know, you go to a restaurant, and you order the wrong they and they you order something and they bring you the wrong thing. What do you do? You don't say, "Oh, I'll just eat it." No. Guess what you do? Oh, I don't want that. I didn't order that. <laughs> I'm sending it back because that's not what I ordered. See what I ordered right here is right is here. You brought me the wrong thing. I don't know whose order that is, but you should go find the person where it belongs to. We don't accept this this kind of outcome in any anywhere else in society, except the justice system. And I, I, for the life of me, I don't know why that's acceptable. Why why are we accepting that? Why is that acceptable? Why do we accept Jerry 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 rigging uh, uh, potential uh, suspects into crimes that they did not commit? Why? Because it can't be because we just need to clear these cases and get them off our desk so we could go and jerry-rig some more cases. I don't get it. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. And I, I need to gather some people so they can help me understand this. You know, I, I don't I don't understand. We don't accept these outcomes nowhere else, except maybe in education. We accept it in education because we see all the time. Kids that can't read in the third grade get past to the fourth grade, fifth grade, hoping that, you know, if you can't read in the third grade, oh, you'll catch up in the fourth grade. And then you get to the fourth grade, fifth grade, so on and so forth. So by the time they graduate high school, you got kids who can't read, who can't think, who can't do anything, but go serve burgers. No shade to serving burgers because you can work your way up and buy the burger joint. But that's unlikely. So we only so 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 we accept these outcomes in two places that are critical to society: the justice system and the education system. And look, look how they look how the bridge is. There's a bridge. Oh, I'm sorry, a school to prison pipeline. Look at that. Look at that. Look, we we accept these ridiculous outcomes in education and in the justice system because we got in New Haven alone, sixteen people who were wrongfully convicted. And so that's a good part of their lives. So what are they gonna do? They got, now, now you're gonna, now you gotta go back and pay these people. Gotta pay them. You know, they're never gonna be made whole, but you're gonna have to try to make it whole, right? You're gonna try to have to make it whole. So we 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 accept these ridiculous outcomes in, in education and prison. We do. You know, we don't got no problems with passing kids and all. Listen, and 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 educators out there, don't take offense. It is the beast of the system that you are inheriting. 
because it needs a complete overhaul and everybody is at a loss at how to do it at the education level and at the judicial level. People are at a loss because they understand that once you start thinking about a complete overhaul, it becomes unyielding and it becomes tenuous. You know, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time, you know. And and this is, listen, I'll tell you why education is so crazy. And 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 people understand that they want a different system. That's why charter schools exist, because people want a different educational experience for their children than what the public education system has been doing. And charter schools are public schools. Anybody could go to them. I'm not saying they're better. I'm saying that people are desperate for a different educational experience for their children. One where they feel like their children have a fighting chance in the world for a career and opportunity and a life. And education is foundational to that success or whatever success is. Education is foundational to that. The school to prison pipeline is a real thing. <laughs> there's so much co 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 there's so much corollary information to that. We're not having these conversations. What we're doing is, oh, we don't want to pay teachers. We don't want to help teachers. We don't want to put the things in place that schools need. We don't want we, you know, we 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 we, we beat up on the paraprofessionals. You know, when so much needs to happen in these classrooms, so much needs to happen in these classrooms before teaching even happens, you know. And this is where education and community has to disconnect because if communities could support education and education could support communities, then it could be a win-win. You know, the educational system as we know it is based on a time in this country where factory work, factory work was the order of the day. You know, when people have farms and all this other kind of stuff, you know, we, we are hard pressed to sort of change, just to change the timing of schools, change timing of schools, when schools start, when school ends, to correlate, to correlate with the workforce now. We are, we are hard pressed to do that. That would be a, a good first step. Second, all the supports that are needed. Listen, this is what I, this is what I know. There are things that we could certainly teach in schools that are not being taught in schools. We need uh, a real commitment, a real commitment to de-escalating uh, trauma, de-escalating violence. We can do that in the school system. We could do that. We can start days with distressing children because children show up to school already stressed. And stress meaning they might not have someplace good, to, no good food at the house. They, they might have to get up super early because parents got to work. They might be by themselves and got to get themselves ready and their siblings ready. These are all extreme things, but even kids of means are stressed the hell out. So we have to figure out when kids get to school to de-escalate whatever is happening outside of these walls. Start there, start there. And then we could talk about what needs to happen. I think schools ought to be, every school ought to ha have some kind of therapeutic component to itself so that kids can understand how to deal with their feelings. Kids come to school with the weight on the world on their backs. 
And then they are expected to perform at some imaginary level when they got the world on their backs. And no one is trying to address that. You got to address that before any learning and however long it takes. Because once you teach a kid to read, that's it. What else are you teaching them? Once you teach them to read and then you put information in front of them, then they can begin to discern and contemplate how to move in the world. But you got to get there first. You got to, the basis of reading, the basics of math, all those kinds of things. And it's just really reinforcing from the next level to the next level. I'm no teacher. I'm just playing one on the radio. Just playing one on the radio. So schools have to become therapeutic settings. I don't care what people say. They can say, oh, teachers, uh, uh, then you equip teachers with that. I'd rather see a teacher's quit with, with therapeutic tools rather than teaching them how to get kids under a desk to, to, to fight off a, a, a gunman. <laughs> I think that's crazy. I think that's crazier than giving teachers the, 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 to empower teachers to learn how to be therapeutic settings so that they could get control of their classes. Kids are angry. They are angry. And they don't even know why they're angry. They're showing up angry, showing up angry and isolated and disconnected and, 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 and full of emotion. And we can't grind them into sitting in a seat and listening. We can't. We got to find another way. You know, that's how I feel. I mean, I've seen it with my own children. They needed a lot of therapeutic support. And I, 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 I made sure I provided that. And I, listen, they probably deserved a better mother than me. They probably did. <laughs> They probably still do because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not singing my praises as a good ass mother. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> I made so many damn mistakes parenting. I can't even tell you. I, I Listen, if I, was, if, if, I, if, if, if I was a football player, there'd be so many flags on the field. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, Miss Ivy can't do that. <laughs> uh, time out, bad parenting. <laughs> You're not. I'd have so many technical files and tech, uh, whatever they do in football. I'd have so many flags on the field, yellow ones, red ones. Be like, uh, Miss Ivy, you can't do that. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> There's a disconnect between education and community. There's a disconnect between the judiciary and the community. There is a disconnect. And 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 I don't see enough, enough bridges being made to sort of uh, work in concert to all these things. And there are people out there who are doing some amazing work in community, but not enough, but not enough, not overarchingly. It's, they've not been part of the landscape. They are an offshoot to what is happening. They're an offshoot. You know, they're, they're standalone services instead of standing in services. And, and we need somebody we, we need, you know, we need a superintendent that's dynamic. We need a mayor that's dynamic. And we need all aldermen to be uh, uh, dynamic, to, to think about across the citywide, not just their own wards, but across the citywide. <laughs> I'll be back. I don't get more coffee. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> Hidden in strange times. Even when down upstairs, oh, 
Cause you found a better one. Found a better one. I don't wanna let you fall away. I don't wanna let you fall away. Oh. I'm thinking about when we gon' touch. I'm thinking about when we gon' touch. I'm thinking about when we gon' touch. I'm thinking about when we gon' I still ride for you Only girl that I want is you I ain't looking but I still found you Show you something others again I can't do oh, Got me feeling no way When they see you they see me in the head So don't go away I ain't gonna let you go away I'ma keep you right here to myself I ain't trying to show no one else We can keep it on alone But you can still let them other niggas know uh, Tell me why you pay with it I'm just trying to tell you I ain't playing with it. The mother niggas lying with it. I'ma show you that I ain't the same with it. I don't wanna let you fall away. I don't wanna go nowhere. Tell my mother she's gonna fall away. Cause you found a better one. I don't wanna let you fall away. I don't wanna let you fall away. Oh. I'm thinking about when we gon' touch. 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 She said she got a new deck. The way she got me feeling got me dropping on my boot decks. I'm just trying to do that. Get you over here, I'ma show you us a few decks. She said she wanna roll, we can go. Anywhere that you wanna go She said she wanna be next to me Ain't no other place you rather be Got me feeling up when I'm with you Wanna feel you up when I'm with you Feeling like a drive when I'm with you Wanna where you are when I'm with you And I ain't gonna Do what you got me feeling I'ma take my time And I ain't gonna Girl you got me feeling your vibe I don't wanna let you fall away I don't wanna go nowhere
back to Love, Babs, Love, Talk, the second hour. I love that I have two hours. Two hours of talk, kind of ish, I like to talk. <laughs> How's everybody doing? So the last hour I was talking about, I don't know, the, the cat who was, had the press conference yesterday, uh, D. Giovanni from Derby, mayor, Republican mayoral candidate, got standing in front of a judge yesterday, feeling bad about being with the insurrectionists on January 6th. <laughs> I guess he feels bad. I don't know. I'm hoping he feels bad, but I'm actually just making that up. He probably doesn't feel no kind of way. Uh, and then I was talking about uh, the people who were wrongfully convicted in uh, Connecticut, 16, 30, 30, 30, 30, and 16 of them here in New Haven. And then for long periods of time, too, like, not like a month, but like years and years and years. Uh, and that seems to be, I, I don't know if that should raise red flags or not, um, but it should. I feel like it should. It, it is for me anyway. Uh, and then there's, uh, uh, then I was just talking about what education needs and how education has to change. I mean, it just has to change. It has to change in this country. Uh, and then... The, the school to prison pipeline is still the real thing. And all, although prison numbers are dwindling, I, I guarantee you in times of, of uh, economic distress, those numbers will climb again because prisons are places of employment, lest we forget. That people, people, people make their careers in, in, in you know, being CEOs and managers of prisons and stuff like that. And so if you have less and less prisons, you have, you, you are also adding to the unemployment workforce. So, so just keep that in mind as we, as people contemplate, you know, the, the excitement around, well, the prisons are numbers. Cause I don't, I don't see people closing prisons at the rate that some of us would like them to close. Cause I think there's some thinking that, well, let's not be too hasty. Rikers is still open. <laughs> You know, there are places in Connecticut that are still open. And, uh, you know, although we saw a great decline, I dare say, you make the education, you make you make the economic situations in places that are already uh, hard hit, then uh, you will see those numbers go up. Because how can they not? Because we already understand uh, what happens in communities when people are not employed. I mean, we already know. I, that's not news. I mean, it was so. It was so at Reconstruction. It is so in 2023. You know, um, uh, you know, ten years after Reconstruction, for ten years after Reconstruction, after Civil War Reconstruction, for you people who don't know a damn thing about history and are not interested. <laughs> Uh, black folks was on their route to thriving. We were elected to office. We were building industry. We were doing all kinds of things. And then white folks got mad. They didn't like the progress and, and what was happening. And so they found ways to curtail our movement, i.e. Jim, Jim Crow laws. And that lasted for another 100 and some odd years, right? Everything is about race in America. I, I, and, <laughs> and to all you people who don't see color, shut up. I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to hear from you. 
Don't tell me I wasn't raised to see raised. Yes, you were. Because if somebody robs your damn bag, you're not going to say, well, some man robbed my bag or some woman robbed my bag. You're going to be very clear about who robbed your bag. So stop, you know, stop talking. Stop, stop telling me you don't see color. I hate these people who don't see color. So you mean to tell me you don't, when the light turns red, you don't stop? When the light turns green, you don't go? When the light goes yellow, you don't slow down. When you go to the store to pick out a dress, you just pick any old dress off the rack and you don't concern yourself with its color. Stop it. I understand what you're trying to say. You, what you're saying is race is not a determining factor in how you interact with people and how you give people humanity, treat people with humanity. You know, I, I, that, that's what you think you're saying. <laughs> That's what you think you're saying. But what you're really saying is, I am erasing your, your blackness, your brownness, you know, whatever that is for you. I'm erasing that from you. And, and I'm going to just lump you into a whole thing because I want you to know I don't see your color. Like my color is a bad thing. It's not. <laughs> I need you to see this beautiful blackness. I need you to see it. I don't need you to not see it. I, dear white people, stop saying that. <laughs> yes the hell you do <laughs> stop saying it i know what you mean i know what you mean but that's not what you mean that's not what that's not how it's coming out so stop doing it i'm here to tell you i don't care what your grandmama taught you that you do see color it's all right to see color color is not a bad thing stop weaponizing color color is not the problem <laughs> Color is not the problem. <laughs> Your inhumanity to other humans is the problem. Stop it. It's all right to see color. You know, it's all right. I know what you mean when you when you say you don't see color. What you want what you want me to hear you say is that how you how you interact with me is not based on what you see. That you see me as a human being first you know and i and i get that and that's 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 one way and that and that's you know or or if you're christian you're like well, i see you as a child of god okay that's fine but this child of god is black I, it's not a problem black is not the problem black is not an insult black is not a weapon black is not the fear well it is the fear black is the fear Black is the fear, you know. So I, but I, I just need people to, to understand that and stop saying it. Because the minute you say, it, I don't even argue with people anymore. I just shut up and I just walk away. I'm like, oh, I can't. I'm not having this conversation with this person because clearly they, they think they, they think they're doing something right. And in this day and age, you know, it's really easy to sort of get that right if you, if you feel so inclined, you know, if you feel so inclined. And I need white people to stop feeling attacked. Even if you are attacked, stop it. Because you all got a lot to atone for. A lot. A lot. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think it's that fear of, 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 of atonement that your ancestors did. And some of y'all are still doing to this day. That, that gives you pause. You know. But you benefit. You benefit from whiteness. Um, and there's no such thing as reverse racism. Stop saying that. That's stupid. You sound stupid. 
Stop saying it. it's not true. There's no such thing. You know, uh, don't get mad when they're black Barbies. Don't get mad if there's a black Ariel. It's a freaking fairy tale. Ariel could be anything. She could be Asian. Why can't she be Asian? Mermaids don't exist. You know it's not real. Representation matters. You know, it matters. I'm like, oh. This, and, and I think that's where I think that's where we're exhausted with white people because we spend a lot of time trying to bring you along and y'all say you want to come along, but you don't. You know, and then you get mad at us because we're still we're still uh working through. Uh, our trauma of of slavery, Jim Crow, and every damn thing else that was heaped on us and still being heaped on us in this country, you know, from gerrymandering to uh, uh, Jim Crow laws to uh, redlining to the criminal justice system, you know. So I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying, I need white people to... Uh, uh, I need white people to, uh, you know, chill, shut up. You know, I, I, you know, I, I was friends with Norm Pattis until he went off the, went crazy. You know, I, this, this fascination with the N word, is just a fascination. I mean, you know, white people, whatever you can say, whatever you want behind closed doors. I, I don't know what the fascination is with wanting to be in a in the company of black people and use that word. I, I don't. I don't get it. And then expect us. And I don't care what you think about us using the word. I don't care. I, I don't I don't care. I don't care. Because it's a word you created. We didn't create that word. You created that word. And then when we snatched it, we snatched it away from you and slapped you upside the head with it. And then we said, listen, we can say it, but you better not say it. And then you want to get mad. Well, they say, well, you know what? You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have given it to us. <laughs> you should have kept it to yourselves. <laughs> Now you can't say it or use it. And you can. And you and you can say it and you can use it, but it comes with consequences. And what are you willing to what are you willing to uh to do to, to do it? You know, we, we just had enough. Slowly but surely. And, and what happened on, on, on the on the shores of Montgomery, on the docks of Montgomery, was just, you know, a moment. Now, what is happening at Howard University right now? is is eight steps backwards you know but you don't have this is what i'll say and y'all heard me say it you do not have to be black you do not have to be white to do the work of white supremacy and you do not have to be white to use the tools of white supremacy and every time i see those kinds of things that's that's what i know you know that's what i know and uh, and that's where we are. So I thought I'd throw that out there because I, I saw the video, these kids running up on these Howard students and fighting them and stabbing them. And these are black people. And I'm like, what is what is that disconnect? What is that disconnect? You know, I don't know what that disconnect is. Some some uh, mythological. Some mythological, they think they're better than us kind of mess. Uh, so, 
anyway, I'm just, it's just something I'm thinking about. You know, something I'm thinking about. Anyway, uh, that's my, that's my, my notes on, uh, on uh, racism and where I'm at. I, I think, you know, for me, I like being, I like being 60 because that it affords me a, a broader look at the world that, that I couldn't see when I was 20 or 30 or 40. You know, 60 really gives me a bigger view of the landscape. And it really, it really gives me a sense of uh, how I want to spend my time, how I want to think about relations with people and community. And, and I can say what I want, uh, but 60 really does. I, I'm not troubled by, I mean, I'm troubled, but I'm not troubled by what I'm seeing because I think there are enough people on the ground who are fighting these fights and they ought to be fighting this fight. I think I'll get nervous if there weren't any young people fighting this, but Black Lives Matter has given me uh, a great sense of there are people who still want to fight the fight. Um, they want to fight to fight. And, you know, here's the thing. People are imperfect. Everybody's imperfect. And, you know, having this conversation with Nicholas Davidoff last night about, about the book, because I wrote him, I wrote him this long ass email expressing my, my sentiments. And he called me because he was like, I don't got the tools to respond via email. I'm just going to call you. <laughs> so we, so we had a good, we had a good 30 minute conversation about this. And he, and he reminded me that people are, 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 are very complex, very complex. And he's right. He's very, very right. I, and I, I sometimes I think I forget that, but people are very complex. And I, I think I know that in my core because nobody is inherently, nobody's totally good. Nobody's totally evil. Well, there are people who are totally evil, totally without without batting an eye there are people who are the devil incarnate i believe uh but but there are people who are amazingly good you know amazingly good i'm not one of those people but i know people who are amazingly good and thoughtful and kind and considerate i i'm not one of those people um but I know people who are, and I'm always admiring of people who are so kind and generous, you know, and giving, uh, so giving uh, and forgiving. I'm none of those things, none of them. And I don't say that because I want people to vouch for me. I'm saying that because I know who I am. <laughs> I'm like, mm -mm. you kill my people in the church. I'm never forgiving you. I don't give a damn. <laughs> I'm going to hold a grudge until I go to my grave. I swear to God, I'm never going to forget. I don't, listen, listen, I'm, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about it because I'm not going to be consumed with it, but I'm going to tell you one thing, I'm not going to forgive you. And if I got to sit in the courtroom and watch your ass be, be sentenced to death, that's what I'll do. Now, I wouldn't go see nobody be killed in an electric chair or firing squad, any of that foolishness. I, I'm not one of those people but I damn sure will not be in the forgiving mood. I'm not a forgiving person. <laughs> I'm just not. I, ne I never have been. I'm not a forgiving person. And uh, and I, I, don't, I don't apologize. I'm not apologizing for that. And people, people used to come at me with, oh, it'll, you know, it'll be good for you. I, no, no. I, I understand what forgiveness is. And there are moments when you forgive people for things that you can live with. There are things that I will never, ever 
ever, never, ever, never, never, never know. One, two, three. Never, ever, never, never know. Forgive. There are just things I won't forget. I will never forget people for slavery on both sides. I don't care. There's Africans I'm never going to forgive for that. And there are, there are white folks I'm never going to forgive for that. But, but it's not, but it doesn't stop me from moving forward and having relationship and moving in the structure and understanding the history. That's fine. Fine. I'm never going to forgive the people who harmed me as a child. That is never ever going to happen but at the same time a few years back someone came to me and said do you you know uh the statute of limitations are open on some things and if you want to pursue no i don't i'm not dragging myself back through that stuff these people are old people now i'm not german they're not nazis although they're nazi like i i don't i don't need to go back to move forward not not in that particular instance i've gone back i'm moving forward I don't, I don't need, there's no justice for me. I would not rest uh, easier if people went to jail for the crimes that they committed against me as a child. It doesn't mean that nobody else should pursue. I will stand with anybody who wants to pursue that endeavor. I will stand with anybody and I have done it. I've stood with people because I, you know, I used to do rape crises work. That's part of the healing journey that I was on. So I was, I know how to stand with people during these moments of, of uh, great sexual violence. I don't need that. I don't need to see people pay, pay, pay uh, for what was, what was done for me as a child. I, I don't need it. I might've needed it when I was younger because I, I think I did need it when I was, you know, when I was, before I went off to college. Um, and while I was in college, I thought, that you know, it would be a good time for people to sort of come to me and throw themselves at my feet and say, "We're sorry for what has happened to me." But that didn't happen, and that was that was a childish fantasy on my part to think that people could rise through their own humanity to 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 gift me that. But they couldn't do it. They didn't do it. So, with that said, over the years, I have learned to uh, to make peace with what has happened to me in such a way that it does not drive how I move in the world. It just does not drive how I move in the world. It doesn't. It does not drive how I move in the world. And, and I know for a lot of people that has suffered uh, uh, abuse and exploitation uh, at that level can't get past it, that they're still in that story. And I don't got a judgment about that because it's hard stuff to overcome. It is very difficult stuff to overcome. And, I, and I'll tell anybody for the life of me, for it, this is God's true intervention. And it doesn't mean that I don't believe God has intervened in other people's lives. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I think God is an equal opportunity God. But I think I took one step toward the light and he was like, all right, I'll make a path for you. I'll make a path for you. And, uh, and I think a lot of people can't make the path for themselves. You know, they've, they've walled themselves in, in the story. And that, and I'm not making a, this is not, hear me. This is not a judgment. This is how people cope with what has happened to them. And they can't get around it or over it. They have walled themselves in, in the story of how they were harmed. I, I, and I understand it because I've walled myself in when I was a younger, younger woman. And then I just tore the, I started taking the walls down brick by brick. And, and and I get to see 60. 
I know people who who were harmed and 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 are gone because they they could not take the bricks down piece by piece. They couldn't. What they would do is they would run into the wall and knock themselves out at every turn. And then the wall became unsurmountable at some point. And 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 no one could help them. You know, there's not enough people out there that understand how to deal with sexual exploitation of children. There's not a lot of help out there for that. You know, and and I I came up at a time where I had to piecemeal that together. Like I had to put that together. And there certainly weren't any black people uh therapeutically that could help me with this. I had to pull it together. And I and I ran through white therapists who were just stupid. <laughs> just asking me the wrong stuff and talking to me in the wrong manner. And I figured it out. I was like, oh uh, no, that you're not getting to what I'm you're not, you're not getting it, you know. You're not getting it. And so uh so I just I just got a, a glimmer of hope somewhere in my life. And that was the driving force. That was the driving force. The, whatever the glimmer of hope was, the light, it was the driving force. And uh, and once I realized that the people in my family, my family could not uh, uh, protect me, could not even acknowledge that what has happened to me you know, the, the thinking was just, you know, it's not happening now. You're over it. Move on. You know, and. Uh, and uh, and I, I'm not mad at them. I used to be mad at them. I used to walk around with a great deal of anger. I used to be mad at everybody, everybody. You know, I had, I had enough pain for a whole bunch, for a whole country. <laughs> I had enough pain for a lot of people. But there were people in my life who saw past that pain and said, there's something here. There's something here. Let's let's get to it. And so at every turn, there was saving grace for me. There was saving grace. But I, there was only saving grace because I could look up and see saving grace. Some people can't look up. They still smash it into the walled in spaces. Can't, they can't get past, you know, that first level. And I did. I managed to do it. And so, so at 60, I could sit here and say, you know what, I don't, I don't, I, that's not my fight anymore. You know, that's not my fight. And, and listen, it, what has happened to me stays with me. It's not a day that goes by that some part of that story rises in my consciousness. So I just want people to know that too. And I want people who, who are suffering that uh, when you see me, it's not because I'm divorced from what has happened to me. And it's not because I'm so far away from it that it doesn't hurt me. No, 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 no. You, you can't ever, it doesn't go away. That's the point that I want people to understand who are suffering, who, who people who are survivors and thrivers of uh, sexual assault, sexual exploitation and trafficking, that it, it I, I'm not, I'm not forgotten. <laughs> It's not gone. It's very much present in all things. And I, I have developed a sense of understanding when it shows up, that I allow it to show up and I deal with it as it shows up so that I'm not walled in ever again in my life. 
that's the part that no one talks about with sex with survivors they just see people who survive and they look like they're going on with their lives and everything is good and oh look look what she's doing look what she's accomplished ah but but that's part of it there's still the work still has to be done it is an ongoing work in progress it is a is a constant constant state of working on what has happened to you and not having it control your life that that's what it is and i think i don't know where people have these kinds of conversations about uh how do you how do you keep moving forward you know i'm looking forward to talking to uh the the horde the lady who uh husband killed 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 their child you know you know she's remarried and her life is good and whatever but you know i don't trauma stays with you it stays stays in your body it stays underneath your skin it stays with you you know anything there are so many times that things drag me back to the time when i was harmed there's so many things <laughs> I, I want people to know it doesn't go away it does not go away what i have done is made space so whatever rises up i'm not swimming against the tide i'm like okay all right this is what i'm feeling give me a minute let me let me let me allow it to wash through the body let me feel it let, let me let me let me stay with the memory for a few minutes you know and then change my mind cuz that's that's the only way i survive that's the, that's the only way i could be 60 that's it because I could be not 60. I, 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 you know, I like people who bad things have happened to try to commit suicide on several occasions, you know? And so uh, I know what that's like. Um, I, I know what it's like. So, so when people see me and they know my story, they just think, oh, ooh, wow, huh, must not have been that bad. No, it was bad. It was bad. But I, I've made space for it. And it doesn't doesn't run me, doesn't run my life. I run my life and I make space for that trauma. Just like I make space for all the other things, the good things, you know, you make space for good things too, right? So I'm just saying, so anybody out there who's listening and they're walled in from trauma and there's a lot of people who have had trauma, the unspeakable trauma, unspoken trauma, trauma that they can't even tell somebody about because they haven't themselves told themselves about it. I know women who have been sexually assaulted and can't say what has happened to them was rape or sexual assault. Can't, can't, they can't bring themselves to even say that to themselves, not alone, uh, let alone a therapist or in a group setting. I know people in my life who can't say the word rape, what has happened to them. It's a, it's challenging. It's very difficult and painful. It's very painful. It's very painful because it's still unbelievable and shocking and assault to your all your senses, right? And there are things that trigger people and triggering is a real thing. You know, I could be someplace and I'll get a smell of something and I was like, oh, oh. And for a moment, I'm transported back to a time and place and for a few moments, and I and then I come out and I don't know where I am. 
And then I'm like disoriented. And I'm like, okay, all right, here we go, girl. Let's get it together. So that's the kind of work that you have to do. You have to do. That's the that's the kind of save yourself work that you have to do. Uh, and I don't think a, a lot of that is talked about, the saving yourself work that needs to happen after trauma. And there's no getting over. I want people to be clear. There's no getting over. There's no, oh, this happened and I'm over it. No, for some people, that trauma is very much with them at the next breath. It's very much with them. And, and I don't know if therapists and people, particularly family members and people who are close to people, understand that level of trauma and, and how it's with them. And, and you just think, God, why can't they just get over this and move on? <laughs> it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like an unrelentless grief. <laughs> And, and and the person that this is happening to, imagine, but if, if your significant others are, are experiencing the, the, the trauma of it, and it ain't even happened to them, it just happened to you, but you connected to them. Because I used to run these support groups for significant others, and it would be painful to be in these groups. And there are people who I ran these groups with who I still see. And some of these relationships didn't survive. They Because they couldn't, they couldn't bear the weight of it. They just couldn't bear the weight of it. You know, I see people all the time who I thought could survive it and they couldn't survive it. They just couldn't take another minute of the person going through this, these, these episodes and hitting the wall and can't pick themselves up and can't move on. And it's, it's, it's a painful thing. You know, that's why, that's, so when I say, I need schools to be equipped to be therapeutic settings. I, I, you don't even know. We don't even know the trauma that people come to school with, children come to school with. We, we don't even know the trauma. But what we do see is uh, the, the evidence of it. We see the evidence of the trauma played out day in and day out. We see the evidence of it. We see the evidence of it. You know, they're showing out in school. They're acting out. You know, they're fighting each other. The guns. That's just evidence of trauma. These kids are not inherently bad kids. They just got some, they come from some stuff. They come from some stuff. And, and we're not dealing with the stuff that they come from. You know, we want to address the immediacy of the evidence, but we're not we're not addressing the, you know, we're not going upstream to see why, you know, bodies are coming downstream. <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing that. So uh, until, until, until we're ready to go upstream and like catch, <laughs> you know, we, we just gonna have, we're gonna, we gonna be dealing with this. We're gonna be just, you know, well, this is what I see. I was like, but it's deeper than that. And somebody's got to go do the deep work. You know, it's it, the, the education system has to be something else other than, well, we got to get these kids to reading level. Listen, people who were enslaved learn how to read by the light of the moon. So reading can be taught. <laughs> we, we could teach reading. <laughs> We, 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 we could teach reading. This, this argument about phonics and sight reading is just, it's just noise. It's just such BS noise. 
We know how to teach children to read. People know how to do it. We've been, slaves learn how, enslaved people running for freedom learn how to read signs, moss on the side of a tree. We learn how to read by starlight, learn how to read by candlelight, learn at, at, at huge personal expense. So we know how to teach kids to read. I don't want to hear that foolishness. There's something else that needs to happen. There's something else that needs to happen. You know, you cannot learn if you come to school hungry. You cannot learn if you come to school stressed out about the night before. You cannot learn if you bounce from couch to couch and 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 what can the school do about that? Well, you can make you know, you could make schools places where, you know, and people are like, "Oh, you know, uh, it, it's not about tossing it back to the to the to the to the court of parents oh parents ought to be able to do this parents should be that this stuff that should be learned in the home now nah, we are community we are a community and whatever is not taught at the house could be taught at the school what is, what is what what are we doing what are we doing you know we can we can make all these things come and please shut up about prayer in schools the, the prayer never left schools kids can pray <laughs> Stop trying to put prayer on everybody as if that's the band-aid. Y'all not praying where you at. You know, and prayer in and of itself is not enough. Not enough. Not enough. So stop saying that stupid stuff. You only say that because you lack the school tools and the intellect to go deeper into what is really happening. You just say that mess because you think that's the right thing to say and you don't got no skill set to do anything. You don't have the wherewithal to take a deeper a deeper jump. So anyway, this is my two hours of TED talking. <laughs> I'll be back tomorrow for some more. <laughs> Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Paul. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll see y'all. <laughs> Oh